Hey guys, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val, and you are listening to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. Hello everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Ref and Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Darren Beasley, how are you today? I am so good. I, I am incredible. If I were doing any better, there'd be two of me. Oh, wow. And that's not a fat joke. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, I hope our dear listeners do not think that I am constantly making fat jokes about myself, no. only to be saved from them by you, because uh, when you're listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, sometimes it seems that way. <laughs> no, that's a, it's actually a throwback reference joke uh, that Darren and I have, um, so no. I'm, I'm, I'm making the joke to make the joke. The joke is not on Darren, dear listeners. No, no, I love Darren. He's, he's my buddy. He's my... My co-host, my former roommate. Uh, so, what can I say? You know say? what's funny is, like, roommate is what we've been by far the least. You know, we really only lived together. Out of all these years, we only lived together for six months. We've been spiritual roommates for a lifetime, though. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what that means. Spiritual roommates. Is that like ghost dad? Like... Oh, no, you don't talk about Ghost Dad anymore, Darren. Well, not, not, not ever since the incident. I mean, I know why we can't, but right. really, can't we? Well, we, we, we never should have been able to anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of Bill Cosby's sexual misconduct. Um, speaking of sad news, we actually have quite a bit of sad news on today's episode. Uh, unfortunate passings of uh, Nikolai Volkov and uh, Brian Grandmaster Sexay Lawler. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Also, uh, Aleister Black suffered an injury recently at an NXT live show. Some of WWE's biggest stars' contracts are uh, up for negotiations. Uh, so we're going to see what happens there with some of the big names. Some pretty big names here that could possibly be like, you know what? I'm going somewhere else. Because they would walk into a different federation and become champion overnight. Of course, if anyone left WWE and went to Impact... They would become Impact Champion overnight. That's the way business is done at Impact. Yes, and his name is Austin Aries. <laughs> oh, yes. His name is Austin Aries. His name is Christian. His name is Rhino. His name is name anyone who left WWE and went to TNA. Uh, sad but true. Speaking of uh, of, of Fed jumping, uh, Darren and I are going to talk about May Young Classic 2018. Uh, we've got about 28 or so competitors that we can name off, finally. The list has actually grown pretty large. Uh, they're almost at the, uh, the the critical mass, which is uh, 32. And they're, they're looking to bring mostly new talent into this. Talking about 80% new faces. Not new to us. There's a couple of people that we love that are in this thing this year. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Darren, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a pretty cool list. I'm excited for us to break this down. But we've got all of this and more here on episode 95 of the whole Reffin Show. Not to be confused with Windows 95. <laughs> and, uh, if you're still using a computer that's operating on Windows 95, then you're 
probably you probably were not able to download this podcast. So. Yeah, or 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 <laughs> turn your computer on. <laughs> Windows ninety five though, it's like ninety Windows ninety five and Windows ninety eight are 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 the ones that are special to me. Oh man, like Windows ninety five. What the whole push didn't have a Rolling Stones like rollout. <laughs> I think I, it was start me up, maybe start me up. Uh, I, I mean that that makes sense, I guess, in the in the, the the grand world of marketing. Uh, I, I can see that. I, I love that Windows eventually pulled a they they pulled a WWE in which they they stopped going like by like year basically, and it became like whatever. Like uh, it was like Windows ME. And there's like Windows like XP, and it's just like, well, where do these fit in with like 95, 98, 2000? Uh, it's craziness. Yeah, I hate when you have to like memorize the order of these random adjectives or nouns. Right. It's like that's not how you do it. And no, then, no. And then there was Windows Florida Lee. Um, and then. <laughs> Ah, good stuff. Uh, Windows, well, Windows Flirtily 2. Windows Flirtily 2. Sort of a, a mixture of the two styles. Right. Like, uh, we're going we're gonna to give it a, uh, a gimmick, uh, but then we're going to reuse the gimmick, so then it's going to have to have a number after all. Right. What are you doing? It, it, are it'll, you... it'll be a sequel to a sequel, as they say. Not to be, which, like, maybe, like, Lethal Weapon 4 <laughs> 2. <laughs> hey, hey. Leave the weapon four two still could happen and should happen, Darren. But you know they did that. Final Fantasy. I'm about to say Final. That. Don't get me started on Final Fantasy games that have sequels to sequels. Uh, so I mean, there there needs to be like ten sequels to Final Fantasy seven. Am I wrong, Darren? Am I wrong? Oh, there should there should there should have never been another original story after Final Fantasy seven. That's where it should have cut uh, off. Don't worry, there wasn't. <laughs> oh, oh, Ow. oh, take that, take that software developers, take that Squaresoft. No, I, I mean, I really feel like every story, every subsequent Final Fantasy should have been set in that particular universe because that was pretty badass. That was pretty good, pretty good. Well, Darren, we got a lot to talk about on today's show, so uh, let's go ahead and dive right into some of these headlines. We're going to start off the headlines this week with some unfortunate news. There were some deaths in the wrestling world this week. Nikolai Volkov passed at the age of 70. He had been in and out of the hospital recently. He had been hospitalized most recently, uh, suffering from complications due to dehydration. Um, although the exact cause of death uh, was not clear at the time of this recording, just like any other wrestler, years and years, decades even, of abusing one's body for all of our entertainment surely must have wreaked some havoc on the body of Nikolai Volkov. But at the age of 70, we bid him adieu and rest in peace. He was a WWE Hall of Famer, part of the class of 2005. Nikolai Volkov, most famous as a wrestling superstar in the WWF in the 1980s and into the early 1990s. Paired with the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov would come to the ring and sing the Soviet national anthem and wave a Soviet flag and stand there and be just 
defiant in the face of Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter and Hacksaw Jim Duggan's all-American flourishes. And uh, it made him just the sort of perfect uh, foil and heel during that all-American era. Nikolai Volkov, love to hear you sing, love to see you wrestle, come out with your fur hat, and just be a gnarly Soviet Ruski that nobody liked. <laughs> nobody liked, but everybody loved. We love to hate you, and uh, Godspeed, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, he was, uh, Nikolai Volkov was one of those heels where obviously he played up the whole, like, America, boo, it's, it's about Russia. Um, but it, it was, he was kind of like a, like a harmless heel. Like he, so like, oh, he doesn't know any better. He's a silly communist. Right, <laughs> right, right. No, no, he, he's, he's a, he's a cartoon character, you know, d- depicting like an old senile, well, not old, but a, a senile Russian, you know, who came to America. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain Nikolai Volkov and it, I'm actually, exactly I'm actually funny. over explaining Nikolai Volkov, but yeah. It's funny that you say old and you say senile, though, because Nikolai Volkov seemed like he was 70 years old when he was 35 years old. Yeah, he always seemed like an older guy. Why did he seem that old? Because if he's only 70, if he was only 70 now. Only 70. He was only 35 then. Like, that's crazy to think about. Maybe because we watched wrestling when we were kids, so it seemed like everyone was like forty years old. Because I, I kind of had that going for me, like watching wrestling. Like everyone's forty; all adults are forty years old or older. Uh, so I don't know. I, I speak for myself on that one. But Nikolai Volkov always, always uh, singing that uh, that Soviet uh, <laughs> national anthem uh, to the delight of of uh, arenas all across uh, the world, actually. But uh, especially here in the states, where uh, he was. Constantly booed. I don't think I ever heard anyone cheer for Nikolai Volkov ever. You weren't supposed to, which is that. That's the truth in that. Um, but no, uh, he just perpetual heel for the most part, and uh, but lovable perpetual heel, and was was not a bad enough guy compared to like Iron Sheik, who you like you oh, really yeah. love. Yeah, he definitely needed Iron Sheik standing next to him, literally saying. America, Patui. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the the Nikolai Volkov, the nicest heel there ever was. Uh, the whole reference you know, show says, "Way to go." <laughs> <laughs> when you said like, I don't lovable heel, and you were comparing him to, I don't know. I um, I thought about like um, I don't know what he is either, but. I thought maybe you were leaning toward uh, nor like something like Norman the Lunatic, where it was like a harmless heel. Nothing touches Norman the Lunatic, folks. Google, uh, Google no, Norman true. the Lunatic. No, nothing and no one touches Norman the Lunatic. Yeah, you might get hepatitis B if you do. Hashtag, dear listeners, Google Norman the Lunatic and just look, feast your eyes on 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 this man. Hey, if you're a fan of the whole reference show, you better be a fan of Norman the Lunatic. Right. Not to confuse with Norman Smiley, the lunatic fringe. Oh, my God. Also not to be confused with Big Trucker Norm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to be confused with Friar Ferguson or Bastion Booger. Ooh. Those are all the same person, by the way. In case, in case some of our listeners are not aware, those were all the same man. It was a man with yeah. three heads. <laughs> and his name wasn't Hydra. 
Well, no, he didn't have eight heads. <laughs> so, obviously, we are big fans of the uh, <laughs> of Nikolai Volkov here on the whole reference show. Uh, lived to be 70, which is actually a luxury in the life of a wrestler, sadly. Uh, we, we've talked about it many times when we discuss uh, wrestlers who, who go way before their time. Uh, 70 is, you know, it, it seems kind of youngish. I mean, who's to say someone had enough time? I, I think if someone tells me their grandmother passed away and she was like in her 90s, it, it kind of, you immediately go kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, she she lived a pretty good life. So 70, 70 is not too bad. Nikolai Volkov, say it ain't so because he still made appearances. He still did what he could in the ring. I, I, I know James Ellsworth recently put up a, a picture on Instagram where it was like him doing business with Nikolai Volkov in a ring like this was only a few years ago so I mean Nikolai Volkov still made the towns as it were uh yeah and uh Nikolai Volkov uh, especially not only to reach the age of 70 but also uh, a wrestler from that era oh right it's, it's that era that saw far too many of them die around the age of 40 and certainly before the age of 50. And so the fact that he did live uh, until 70 is, is, is really good uh, indicator that he lived his life fairly well, took care of himself um, or else had incredible genetics. Uh, 70 may be uh, too soon uh, in an era where people live into their eighties and nineties regularly, but not bad for a professional wrestler from that era. Absolutely. So, again, Godspeed, Nikolai Volkov. Best to the friends and family. Uh, he will be missed, and luckily you can watch plenty of Nikolai Volkov on the WWE Network. Again, a benefit of having the network. Um, but, unfortunately, speaking of uh, um, off of what Darren's talking about with wrestlers dying too young, uh, Brian Lawler, uh, who passed away at the age of 46 recently, uh, allegedly suicide. Brian Lawler has had a lot of issues uh, over the past couple of months, which we have not discussed on the show. Um, no, we, we didn't get together and decide we weren't going to talk about him, but I think we just kind of were like, oh, that's, you know, <laughs> that, that, that maybe shouldn't be brought up or whatever. But there, there, I think, like, DUI maybe happened somewhat recently for him and a couple had, of things. He had a DUI. He had some unpaid bills. I, he overstayed his welcome at a hotel. Oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Had a maxed-out credit card. When that wouldn't run, he, he had no other he had no other way to pay for it. It seems like a lot of petty crimes uh, because that's what they are. Uh, right. Crimes are crimes. The law is not going to... Take it easy on you simply because it's not a violent crime. Crime is crime. Uh, the, the the laws exist for a reason. But to think that these petty crimes, even though they had mounted up, would be enough for for this man at the young, young, young age of forty six to uh, reportedly take his own life, a suicide by hanging while in jail. Uh, for Brian Lawler, also known as Brian Christopher, also known as Grandmaster Sexay, uh, a big-time WWF superstar during the Attitude Era, tagged with Scotty Tuhati, who actually works at uh, NXT now. Brian Christopher Lawler is the son of Jerry the King Lawler, WWE Hall of Famer. And like Perry said, he has had a lot of troubles, and they've extended beyond just recently. Brian Lawler 
has found himself not in WWE. What really kind of could have been one of those guys who had been there this whole time, like Jerry Lawler himself, or like Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, or Ron Simmons, or JBL. Brian Christopher could have been there this whole time, but he's always sort of been plagued with one thing or another, and that that's unfortunate. That, that means there's some deep-rooted trouble with the young man, and we I hate to hear it. I really hate to hear about this whole thing. Apparently, there is a little bit of talk that there might be more to this uh, death than meets the eye. But right now, the established reports are that it was an act of suicide. Clearly, the whole situation is uh, unfortunate, no matter what the circumstances are. I remember, um, actually, the day that you went to Fest uh, Wrestling, you went to Christmas in July, too. I actually went to San Diego Comic-Con. And I actually saw Jerry Lawler there um, at the, I don't even know what booth he was at officially. I don't think it was like a WWE booth, but maybe it was like an art studio that they have or something like that because it was Jerry Lawler. Uh, Poor guy was sitting there by himself uh, looking at his phone, looking kind of down. I thought maybe it was because he had no one in his line and Lita, who was also there, had like 10 guys in her line. Um, but, uh, could have, could have been stuff was already going on. He could have been dealing with stuff. That's pure speculation, but he, Jerry Lawler looked, looked a little down for a guy who's making a public appearance at Comic-Con. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's obviously, like Darren just said, there's, there's been trouble for, uh, Brian Lawler for weeks, at least months. Um, so who, who knows? But, uh, so yeah, it's it just kind of strange to me that I saw Lawler and then, uh, you know, not too long after that, his uh, son passed away. Strange and weird and, and clearly Brian Lawler uh, gone before his time at the age of 46. And, and that, that basically bounces right back into what we talked about earlier, which is uh, if you're, you are so lucky to hit even 70 years old uh, when you are a wrestler. Um, and, and Brian Lawler, unfortunately, another statistic of that leaving us at 46 years old. On a little lighter of a subject, and certainly uh, not the passing uh, of an individual, but uh, a bump in the road for former NXT champion Aleister Black while fighting current NXT champion Tomasa Ciampa, who defeated Aleister Black for that belt just last week on NXT television. The two were renewing their rivalry in a uh, uh, match at an NXT live event in Las Vegas. Reportedly, Champa drops Black on a railing, uh, crotch first. That's really where the report ends. It states that that led to an injury, and said injury is going to require surgery. What is being surgically repaired at this time, is unknown. However, Aleister Black is still being advertised for the triple threat main event NXT championship match between himself, Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4, which is only a few weeks away. So surgery and still wrestling in a few weeks is not something you hear very often. Really, it's not something you hear ever which further brings into question, what's the injury? There's a whole lot in that whole crotch area, Darren, that could be injured, right? I, I don't want to bring up the ghosts of Hector Garza past. <laughs> um, and Hector 
Peter Garza was not alone, Sean Waltman suffered a similar fate at one time. uh, X-Pac also suffered the same fate, unfortunately. But I imagine if you were to uh, suffer a potential tear, uh, puncture, or contusion to the the scrotum. The scrotal region, yes. uh, That might be ready to return to action in three weeks. Um, but anything more severe than that, a muscle tear uh, in the, like in the thigh, the, the, the hamstring or the quadricep, or even a groin tear, a ligament damage in that area, anything like that to me says too severe for less than a month return. Right. I, I don't know about you, Darren, but if, if, I, if I were to tear my scrotum, you, you would never see me again. I would never leave my apartment ever again. <laughs> let, alone return, let alone return to action and and f- face off in a triple threat match for the NXT title. <laughs> no way, man. No well, way. I, no, I completely understand. That is fair and to each his own. Your actions, you, you must own them and live with them. And if that's how you uh, plan to deal with a, a torn scrotum, then more power to you. <laughs> I have to say, I don't know that I would let such an injury cost me fame, fortune, notoriety, but I would definitely have myself equipped with a, an extremely heavy-duty cod piece. And I don't mean some, some like, flim-flam canvas uh, covering like uh, Malcolm McDowell in A Clockwork Orange. No, I mean... I want to find something that's like a like a witch's cauldron, and I want to have it fixed <laughs> around my scrotum so that even an intercontinental ballistic missile could not penetrate wow, my scrotum. Wow, wow. I was thinking along the lines of like when D'Lo Brown got the chest protector after Dan the Beast Severin separated his pectoral muscles. Um, I would get something like that, like, like, a, like a scrotal protector. Of some sort to wear to Which the ring. is just a very small chest protector. <laughs> it looks just like a chest protector. Yeah, it's it's just chest protector that I wear as underwear. I, I put my I put my legs into the, the armholes and just wear it upside down basically. <laughs> and they look like uh, what are they called? Duck waiters? Is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, anyway, we're, we're really going off the rails here. And that might not well, even know, be the you case. You, you might could, you could get like a, like a gourd, perhaps, some type of gourd. Right. Or, even, or maybe even a coconut. And you could sort of do the same thing where you have this protective shield around your scrotum. Of course, then I, I think you're left with an island gimmick, some sort of... <laughs> So like, so, so, so like, Coda Reeves could really capitalize on this whole idea, uh, but well, uh, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully you are an islander if this situation occurs. Alistair Black, I don't think he's going to convince anyone that he's from the the South Pacific. No, he he, um, need, he would need some new tattoos, that's for sure. But again, we we're not even sure exactly what the uh, nature of the injury is for Alistair Black, but we just wanted to. A chance to bring up the fact that Hector Garza once tore his scrotum uh, while competing, which is nothing to laugh about. And, no, it's not. And, and that, that's why we're not laughing. Also, and that's why we're not laughing. I'm not laughing. Okay, no, good. not at all. And Hector Garza, who also has gone on uh, to reap his great reward and uh, in the afterlife. Oh, I forgot. Oh, no, no, I forgot. He, he passed on. I don't know. 
Now I feel worse. Thanks, Darren. Hey, you brought him up, man. You brought him up. I well, you know, Alistair Black. He just, just he did. He's the one. Well, don't get me started on the fact that I I don't like that Champa beat Alistair Black on NXT television, which means it was pre-taped and the the word got out long before the episode hit the airwaves. And uh, Alistair Black's kind of now a footnote in the battle between Gargano and Champa. And NXT is basically done with them at this point. Don't get me started on all that, Darren. But, Alistair Black, we wish you well, and we hope to see you at TakeOver. Uh, you know, when you talk about that, though, actually, when you mention Alistair Black and, and you not liking that, and how is Alistair Black going to be remembered? How is his NXT title reign going to be remembered? But, you know, it certainly uh, lays the groundwork for you and I to discuss exactly what is possible. That's the whole point of this podcast. Wrestle News, yes, yes, and Wrestle Views. How do we feel about what we're seeing in the wrestling world? And Aleister Black, if he were truly disgruntled with this, he could take his ball and go home. Don't re-sign with the WWE. And that brings us directly to our next bit of news. Brock Lesnar, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio. Who's in the WWE, who's going to be in the WWE, and who is walking away? Let's start with Brock Lesnar. As it stands here, three weeks away from SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar is set to defend his WWE Universal title against Roman Reigns at that SummerSlam, back in the Barclays Center, back in the borough of Brooklyn in New York City, capital of Earth, if you will. And Brock Lesnar is expected to, in January, to face Daniel Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title. Now, we're not going to debate this week. Well, uh, we have plenty of time to still do it. Is this match appropriate? Do you take the universal belt off Brock? What does that do for his UFC credibility? Do you keep it on Brock? What does that do for his UFC credibility? What does his UFC credibility have to do with the WWE? Do you want Brock to leave the belt in WWE when he goes into the octagon? Do you want it to end up on Roman Reigns? There's a whole lot of questions here. What does Brock want for himself? We know, one, contractually, he has a lot of creative control. But two, we also know he doesn't really care. Brock Lesnar's creative control is very different than The Rock's creative control or Hulk Hogan's infamous creative control. Brock Lesnar really kind of just does whatever is asked of him in the WWE. I know that on television now they've made it where his character, quote unquote, doesn't respect the WWE universe or the WWE office or Vince McMahon or the history of the company. But that story is grown out of the fact that Brock Lesnar himself really doesn't actually give a shit about any of that. He's there for a payday, handsome paydays. They require very little of him except to show up and do some work. He doesn't take pride in the work. He doesn't take wins and losses personally because he knows that it's show business. That makes him unique in wrestling. It also makes him kind of suck in wrestling. Ooh. Part of what part of what has made wrestling so amazing and meaningful and important to so many people in the business and in the stadium seats for many, many decades 
is the fact that everybody kind of does buy into it too much, even when they know that it's show business. So for someone to actively kind of just blow the whole thing off because it's a, a day at the office, it, it shines through. Are you saying because he doesn't care uh, whether he wins or loses? Um, or, or rather, he's not bothered by a loss, I think I think is a better way to say that, uh, which is ironic because they won't let him fucking lose. Um, maybe he's okay with it because he assumes 90% of the time he's not going to lose. Or I'm not really sure what their thoughts are on Brock Lesnar anymore. Well, uh, right now, the problem is that the latest rumors are SummerSlam may be it. Like, SummerSlam may be... The last time we see Brock Lesnar in a WWE ring ever, that he's going to use this as a not so grand exit. And unless WWE plays it up and turns the end of the match, turns his dethroning into something epic, however they choose to do it, if they do it, that's the only chance of it being epic because it's not being built that way. It's not being built that way. It may just happen, and then Brock walks away forever. I think the groundwork is certainly being laid for him to lose by way of his almost breakup with Paul Heyman on Raw this week. And it starts to look like, well, Heyman's going to turn on Lesnar, give Roman what he needs to overcome the odds, and then now Roman is your champion. And he has Paul Heyman at his side, maybe for one night only, Maybe from there on out, who knows? I don't know that the audience is ever, ever, ever going to get behind Roman, but this week's Raw was evidence they are definitely no longer behind Brock Lesnar. All they have to do is give Roman Reigns a new gimmick, where when he comes to the ring, money falls from the ceiling. So every time he comes out, money rains upon the, the audience, and that they'll start cheering Roman Reigns if they, they start getting paid money to do it, right? So money reigns. Exactly. Exactly. So does he change his name to Money Reigns? Also, he changes his name to Money Reigns. <laughs> Not to be confused with Muddy Rain. Uh, it's, it's very, it's a very confusing situation. No, because at this point, you basically have to pay people to cheer for Roman Reigns, and I, I, I think they're trying to to write the script now where Reigns comes out and says, like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna like judge my career on like what a small group of like fans think about me. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's not really a small group, is it? You were there, Darren, you were, you were there at uh, camping world stadium in Orlando of WrestleMania 33. When Roman Reigns came out, wait a minute. Do you, do you mean the ultimate thrill ride? No, I don't mean the ultimate thrill ride, but it was 75,000 people. And I'll say maybe, maybe 5,000 of those people were cheering for Roman Reigns. There are certainly 70,000 strong booing Roman Reigns. Uh, so I don't want to hear it, Roman. I mean, you're not you're not writing what you say. I, I can't get excited for Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar, uh, them doing anything at this point. It's very uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm past it. I'm beyond it. I don't care anymore. I, I'm like I, Phil Collins. I don't care anymore. Don't care anymore. Uh, I don't, I don't, man, I've gone so far. I have traveled so deep into the desert of not caring about this that I feel like 
uh, because I believe me, I am no flat earth conspiracy nut. I believe the earth is round and I now believe I've traveled so far in one direction. I may actually be coming back around, not to the point where I'm going to be excited about Roman as a champion and I will not cheer Roman Reigns as a champion, any champion, much less the fruit roll-up champion. Right. But I am actually buying into this let's hate Brock Lesnar story. They've been working it for a while, and until this past Monday, I was not on board. The more Vince McMahon came on and tried to shove it down our throat that we should be upset with Brock Lesnar, the more I wasn't upset with Brock Lesnar at all. But then to actually see him in the locker room with his feet on the table, reading a magazine, yelling at Paul Heyman over and over and over, and then to see what he did at the end of the show, that really kind of made me hate Brock Lesnar. Oh, wow. And You're getting worked, son! No, 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 no. The, the reality is, I felt that way about Brock Lesnar, the man, for years. But I liked Brock Lesnar, the character, because I didn't, I didn't let his, I didn't let the shoot become the work. Uh oh, we're, we're getting into Hulk Hogan. Do you separate Hulk Hogan from Terry Bollea uh, territory here, Darren? Where you said that you don't, right? No, well, I don't. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. thermos and all, you know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> thermos and all, I don't separate the two. But Lesnar, I know what he's doing on WWE television. This week, however, so successfully blurred the line that I we saw on Raw, an, like a truly unfiltered, even though it was a work, we saw like a version of what an actual unfiltered Brock Lesnar is really like by all accounts. Because we, of course, hear that he is this loner. He doesn't like people. He doesn't talk to people. He actually just wants to be either on a tractor on his farm or on a couch in his house or in an octagon with Dana White and Joe Rogan's bald heads at ringside. What he doesn't give a crap about is Michael Cole and Byron Saxton and friends at ringside and Vince McMahon in the gorilla position. He doesn't. That's more clear than ever, not only about Brock Lesnar as a man, but as of this week, truly Brock Lesnar, the character, the WWE Universal Champion. So, with that being said, no, I'm not excited about Roman being the one to take the belt off of him. That match should have never ever been booked again but if it means that the second great Brock Lesnar run in the WWE is coming to a finish I'm okay with it it's time for it to end at this point if Brock isn't going to put the work in if he's not even going to try and make his care go home but I thought thought he was though I I thought this is this is him trying to make you care about Roman Reigns not about Brock Lesnar No, that's what I'm saying. But one week of hard work to exemplify, like he, God, it's weird. It's like, uh, it's like the expression goes over the exception proves the rule. 
The one week where he does the hard work, it's in an effort to show you he's not willing to do the hard work. Right, right, right. And that's where we're at. And that's where we are with this whole Brock Lesnar hijacking the fruit roll-up belt for all this time. And it's just, it needs to stop. It needs to stop right now. Well, hopefully. Just so happens... Roman's the only one in a position to stop it. Right. And we talked about it before where I, I don't like the feud. I'm not a huge fan of Roman Reigns. I don't hate the guy because he doesn't write his own character. Um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't put himself in matches that don't mean anything because he just loses the match. But if he gets the belt, at least the belt comes back and things make a lot more sense on Raw. Um, so, yeah. So, Lester obviously uh, can get whatever he wants. For I, mean, I don't think he really wants to be involved in WWE anymore. And if Vince were smart, he would let him not be involved anymore and stop giving him way too much money, way too much control, and yada, yada, yada. But some other folks you talked about also, Daniel Bryan. I know Daniel Bryan should not be, I won't say he's unhappy, but I feel like he should be unhappy um, that he's been back. Daniel Bryan's been back. That's a big deal. Um, I, I don't think we got the full, like, oh my god, he's back, because we you saw his face every week on television all of a sudden, he's just wrestling, and you realize, oh, yeah, Daniel Bryan's uh, wrestling again. I forgot that. So let's put him in a feud with Big Cass. Um. <laughs> well, the, his whole return has been so weird. His return match at WrestleMania should have been a singles match, period. Right. The fact that he was in a tag match in his return match, then he was in a feud with Big Cass, then they fired Big Cass, then he's back tag-teaming with Kane, what? Yeah. It, it it robbed us. And I think you're absolutely right. Seeing him as the GM of SmackDown every week, it took away a little bit of the specialness of a Daniel Bryan return. That being said, I find it odd that uh, the reports are that Daniel Bryan is complaining about working too much. This is the same Daniel Bryan who has repeatedly said over the last three years... All he wanted to do was wrestle. All he ever wanted to do was wrestle. He would never be happy again unless he was wrestling. Love or hate the booking, you're getting to wrestle, Brian. You're getting to wrestle every week. But apparently he only wants to wrestle a maximum of 100 matches a year. A 100 matches a year essentially precludes Daniel Bryan from ever working live events. He's essentially going to work Raw or SmackDown, pay-per-views, and uh, and that's about it. I don't know that a lot of people would be very happy with that. But Daniel Bryan, it seems like they've been very, very protective of the whole idea of Daniel Bryan. And I've never been able to figure out exactly what it is. Is it that first generation of indie darlings? And by indie darlings, I mean the fans that that Vince and company want to hold on to. We hooked them so long ago. Let's make sure we don't lose that bunch. Or is it the connection to the Bella twins? They don't want to disrupt total Bellas, total divas, the cash cow that is the Bella product. Or do they not want Daniel Bryan going out and becoming world champion anywhere he goes outside of WWE? It's probably a little bit of all of those things. Uh, but I think it's odd, like I said, for Daniel himself to have begged and pleaded and trained and visited doctors and 
did everything in his power to get back in the ring. And now he wants to step back a little bit already. And it's only been four months, three months. Right. You know, what, what do you think it's all about? Did he go back on the road and realize, wow, as the GM, I didn't have to do live events. Now I'm wrestling these live events. I'm away from my daughter all the time. We know how much his life revolves around Bree and his daughter, Birdie. And now is he just realizing it? Or is this a reaction to the bad booking? He's like, if this is how you're going to book me, then fine. I don't want to wrestle that much after all. Right. Well, it's probably both. I mean, it's probably the bad booking. Like, he didn't come out of retirement and defy all medical odds to fight Big Cass for months. You know what I mean? And also, he, he is away from Bree and, and, and Little Birdie. Uh, and a Little Birdie once told me that... Uh, uh, forget it. Anyway, um, so I, I think it's just dissatisfaction with the product. I think he's like, oh, I could be in New Japan right now fighting Kenny Omega. Would be so cool. Um, there's that, but also, I mean, he spent a lot of time on the road, uh, as we just said, as the GM of uh, SmackDown Live. So, I mean, it's not like he was at home this whole time and now he's wrestling and all of a sudden, like he was already in the WWE machine, uh, doing the SmackDown Live shows and the pay-per-views for the most part. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. You'd have to ask him exactly what the issues are, but I, I think it is a mix of just like people he doesn't really want to wrestle or he's not really... He's not setting the artist free with the people that he's wrestling, and I can totally see that. But also, he wants to be at home with the with Aubrey Bella and the kids. So I, I, I get that. But and he can go wherever he wants, right? I mean, he can do whatever he wants. He could just be like, "Yeah, I've got enough money. I'm gonna head out." But if if they can't use his name on Total Bellas anymore, it's gonna be kind of weird. Like my husband, yeah, and my husband said, and my husband has Birdie, and my husband, but my husband, you know what I mean? Instead of saying his name. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that would be very strange. WWE seems confident that they're going to re-sign him. And I feel they'll probably re-sign him. But it seems interesting that every time uh, contract negotiations come around for Daniel Bryan, especially since his uh, believed retirement after WrestleMania 31, I think he uses it as some leverage. And I don't think it's a, a false leverage. I think he really does consider trying to find greener pastures. Um, I just don't know at this point what's going to satisfy him. So he'll probably resign. WWE will probably uh, succumb to his contract wishes, which apparently have been complicated by uh, the use of representation. Daniel Bryan does have um, either a manager and or an agent. Uh, speaking on his behalf now, and I know that Vince hates that, but he does have it to contend with with Daniel Bryan. He hates it when so wrestlers treat wrestling like a business? Man, Vince McMahon. <laughs> so that also leaves Rey Mysterio to discuss. Rey Mysterio, who's been rumored to be coming back to WWE for one last full-time run uh, as a member of either the Raw or SmackDown roster. And the one thing we know for sure is that Rey Mysterio is booked for All In, the independent wrestling super show coming to you and me and the world from Chicago, Illinois on the 1st of September, Saturday. This is, of course, 
the uh, card put together by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and is going to feature all sorts of Ring of Honor, New Japan, and independent pro wrestling talent. Basically, everybody that's not in WWE is all in for this super show, and that includes Rey Mysterio. WWE was desperate to sign Mysterio away from All In so that he would not be able to appear. But Mysterio has held out. He's staying booked on this show, and he is a part of a really crazy six-man tag match. And we're going to talk about All In on another episode of the whole Refn show, but I'm super excited about All In. I've got to figure out a way to watch it. How are we going to watch it? Uh. Well... You are clearly far less enthused about All In than I am. It's it's more so, so less enthused about Rey Mysterio. I'm not really a fan. I never have been. We've talked about this. <laughs> well, Rey Mysterio will be back on your television in... Uh, not my nope, television. Nope, if, I, if I don't turn it on, he can't be back on it. So I don't know what the contract negotiations are going to be. We actually reported on Mysterio discussing a new contract several months ago. We talked about the fact that Conan was sort of involved with all of Mysterio's negotiations. We saw Mysterio appear at the greatest Royal Rumble. We saw Mysterio appear at the Royal Rumble. And we thought, well, he'll be back any time now. But he didn't come back. But now apparently he is coming back. But not before he is all in. But it would be kind of odd for Rey Mysterio to come back because you wouldn't put him on 205 Live because he's he's just too big of a name. So now so you have this definite cruiserweight on your main roster. So it, it kind of is kind of like, uh, where, where does where does Rey Mysterio fit in in the it's grand scheme of weird. things? So. It is very 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 weird. I knows it. So that that that's an odd. I, I will say that is an odd conversation there. Uh, they're not going to bring him back and spend a great deal of money to do so just to put him on 205 Live, although it would help ratings on 205 Live a little bit. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future holds for all these people. I mean, odds are Lesnar is going to go. I feel like Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio will be around for a while. So, anyway, only one way to find out, and that is to find out uh, <laughs> when the announcements are made. We'll keep you posted, folks. And speaking of announcements, we actually have some announcements for the May Young Classic 2018 edition, the second annual May Young Classic uh, quite a few competitors have now officially been named. We wanted to wait until there was a good amount of people uh, to discuss. And uh, we're obviously going to talk a lot more about the Mae Young Classic as it happens. We'll do a full review of it as we did for last year's Mae Young Classic. Uh, but we have a pretty big list of combatants here. A lot of familiar faces. Uh, a couple of uh, fest ladies. So that's really cool for us. Uh, Darren, who are the participants? From the United States, we have Ariel Monroe, Ashley Rain, and Diano Perazzo. Ariel Monroe, of course, we know from Fest, know and love from Fest. Ashley Rain, who is, of course, Madison Rain, former TNA Knockout, and Diano Perazzo, former TNA Knockout, former NXT competitor, and, of course, the significant other, of Ring of Honor and New Japan superstar, Bullet Club member, the villain Marty Skrull. Diano Perazzo, she was all in, but now she's all in the Mae Young Classic. From Japan, Hiroyo Matsumoto and Io Shirai are joining the Mae Young Classic. Isla Dawn, 
representing Scotland, will be in the Mae Young Classic. Isla Dawn, who we saw at the NXT UK Championship Tournament Special recently. Jesse Elaban, representing the United States. Jenny from England. Casey Catanzaro, representing the United States, as well as Caitlin, representing the United States. Caitlin, former WWE Divas champion, bodybuilder extraordinaire, a.k.a. Celeste Bonin. That is Caitlin herself. Now, representing both China and the United States, I'm not sure how that works, but you have Karen <laughs> Q, representing the great subcontinent of India, Returning to the May Young Classic for the second year, Kavita Devi, representing Portugal, Killer Kelly, who we saw at the NXT UK special. Killer Kelly, uh, thanks. Killer Kelly liked some of our pictures on Instagram. Hey, all right. Friend of the show. <laughs> Honorary friend of the show. Representing the United States is Lacey Lane. Perry and I and all of the Fest family have been lucky enough to see Lacey Lane in action at Fest Wrestling. Also from Japan, Miko Satomura, Mercedes Martinez returns for the second year in a row, representing the United States and bringing her particularly brutal blend of MMA-style professional wrestling back to the Mae Young Classic. Mia Yim, representing South Korea, Mia Yim, who was in Mae Young Classic last year. One of the few also, to return, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also a former TNA knockout, Wrestle Circus star, and otherwise independent standout. All those things belong to Mia Yim. Canadian Nicole Matthews joins the fray this year for the Mae Young Classic 2. And then Priscilla Kelly, representing the United States, representing... Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment representing Fest Wrestling, representing a slew of the hottest indies in the Southeast, the Midwest, and beyond. Priscilla Kelly bringing some gothic stylings to Full Sail University in the Mae Young Classic. I'm wondering what kind of Priscilla Kelly will get. I mean, uh, Priscilla Kelly is a... Uh, she's very PG-13 with her presentation. Uh, she's going to have to really tone it down for an NXT audience. Uh, I'd really like to see, you know, briefly we saw like the skeleton bodysuit and like face paint. Oh, or something. yeah, 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 yeah. I really liked that. That was pretty interesting. And I don't know if that was just Halloween themed or what, but I dug that version. I think that's what she sleeps in. That <laughs> She's Looks a dark of, lady. She's a dark lady. She sleeps in a coffin, probably. I, I, I can imagine that. If we learned anything from Interview with a Vampire, that is strict vampire lore. Right. They're not just kidding around. You have to sleep in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I learned a lot of things from Interview with a Vampire, but, you know, if we learned anything, it was that. Right, but it's, it's very, it's, the, the rules are very bendable. Like, it's like, it's like a California king coffin. So there's plenty of room to move around. That's in. true. And they never said you had to shut the lid also. So you can just keep the yeah. lid open all the time. And I think the rules are kind of different for each 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 one of them. I know that the the vampire Lestat mentioned that the gifts that each vampire has uh, differ, but I think some of the rules differ as well. Like, why did Kirsten Dunst's hair curl? It wasn't curly in her human life. 
I don't remember Brad Pitt's character Louie's hair curling, so why did her hair curl? Because that, that was one of her vampire gifts. You just said so yourself. Oh, that's a that's a weird gift. So, so she's like that character from Peanuts with naturally curly hair. <laughs> yes. All right, back to the brackets. Reina Gonzalez, representing the United States, makes her return to the Mae Young Classic, as does Rhea Ripley, the Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. And Tainara Conti, representing Brazil. Now, why didn't Tay Conti stay with the Undisputed Era? Yeah, that was so short-lived. We talked about that when it happened. Like, I think Undisputed Era needs a woman in the stable, um, and they could have they, they made a lot more sense when they fought Sanity too, because it would have given Nikki Cross something to do. Um, but uh, no, that just didn't uh, didn't stick for whatever reason. And it still could. Undisputed Era is there. Undisputed Era is hot. I think they still need a woman. They they need to grow. I don't want them to grow to like Bullet Club size, but I think they could stand to have a lady in the group. They need a woman. <laughs> it's like me and Undisputed Era got something in common. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so lonely. Tegan Knox, representing the small part of the United Kingdom known as Wales. Tegan Knox, also known as Tegan Knox, <laughs> the Decepticon from Transformers. Uh, I had to say it once. Okay. Well, let's see if she can bring any of her transforming robot powers to the May Young Classic. <laughs> I don't know. Tiganox. Tony Storm is returning this year, also representing Australia, now as an NXT UK competitor, and the iBlack. They will be returning to full sail. I, I haven't seen someone so one foot in, one foot out as Tony Storm, who competed in last year's May Young Classic. She's all, all, all up in the WWE UK stuff. When WWE goes overseas, Tony Storm wrestles uh, some ladies' matches, and and it's just like, just sign her already. What are you doing? Like, she's super competitive. She's one of the best wrestlers in this bracket and was in the last year's bracket as well. And she went really, really far, and I thought she was going to go all the way, uh, but didn't quite do it. So maybe this year will be her year. I don't think so because we've already seen a lot of Tony Storm, but I, I'm not trying to pick a favorite at this point. But uh, she is one of my favorites, I will definitely say. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tony Storm as well, but I don't know that my fandom can even approach yours. I know you are a big, big fan of Tony Storm. Vanessa Craven will have the opportunity to gain a couple of big fans out of us as she represents Canada here in the May Young Classic. Zaya Brookside, the 19-year-old daughter of NXT trainer Robbie Brookside, she is representing her home country of England here in this tournament. That's right, Rhea Ripley. Move over. Step aside. All they talked about was how Rhea Ripley was 21 years old last year. Now she's an old 22. She's yesterday's news, but now uh, with uh, Zaya Brookside being a 19-year-old competing, same age Tyler Bate was when he won the WWE uh, UK title, uh, the inaugural UK champion. Uh, so something about those 19-year-olds from England. I don't know. They're they're fire, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, Vince McMahon did the same thing when he hired Paige. Like, when she was 18, I think. And, like, they actually courted her when she was, like, 16. And they were like, yeah, let her get to be at least 18. 
But hell, she was like a grizzled vet by the time she was on the main roster and 20 years old. Yeah, they're so impatient in England. They start wrestling school like five years old. They really do. <laughs> they, <laughs> they really do. And like, not only that, but like they learn how to wrestle in like a boxing gym. It's frightening. Right. I do not want to be... Uh, I do not want to learn how to compete in any combat sport in the United Kingdom because it looks like a hard, bad time. <laughs> but Zaya Brookside, uh, she's going to take whatever hard, bad time and she's going to try and take it out on these 31 other women. That leaves us with the last person announced thus far, and that is Zeuxis representing... The island of Puerto Rico. And that will do it for all of the announced competitors for May Young Classic. I think that leaves about four or five yet to be named. I don't know what the speculation is uh, on who they may be. But we will be sure to let all of you, dear listeners, know just as soon as we know. We know, uh, I guess the one thing we do know is that it will not be Vanessa Bourne. She will not be one of the competitors as she was actually eliminated uh, in a qualifying match to even be in the tournament by Tainara Conti. So Vanessa Bourne, who I still say needs to play Typhoid Mary in Daredevil Season 3. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they're, they're wasting Typhoid Mary on Iron Fist Season 2, Darren. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that just bummed me out. <laughs> But speaking of Vanessa Bourne, Vanessa Bourne, of course, we came to know, well, we came to know her from uh, NXT house shows, but uh, you folks at home may have come to know her from last year's Mae Young Classic. And as you can see from our list here, it's only about five or six uh, ladies returning from last year's Mae Young Classic. So it is a lot of new faces. Again, some we're pretty familiar with. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with, with these ladies as well. But I mean, Ariel Monroe, Priscilla Kelly, that's Fest Wrestling, baby. Uh, was, we talked a lot about Ariel Monroe actually last episode on our review for Christmas in July too. Um, so it's exciting. I mean, I was excited about this thing happening last year. I'm really excited about it this year, especially with some of these newer faces showing up. I'm just wondering who they're going to push, who they're going to keep around. Uh, it's so exciting. Looking forward to it. Oh, and also, I guess, I guess the finalists will actually do battle at Evolution, Women's Evolution, the uh, all-woman pay-per-view. Uh, so that's neat too. So man, to do this tournament and then to have your your match at the all women's pay per view and be part of that, I know that's that's got to be a big deal for any of these combatants. It's a huge deal, and it's a huge deal for the WWE. WWE did not invent women's wrestling. WWE really kind of like stifled the growth of women's wrestling. They actually stifled the evolution of women's wrestling for far too long but let's not rob them of their day in the sun wwe is doing it right now with the second year of the may young classic with a bad ass roster whether it's the red blue or yellow brand uh the women's roster is incredible from top to bottom throughout the wwe and now evolution pay-per-view coming up I love it. This 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 tournament's going to have to move quickly. We are two months away from Evolution, and the tournament hasn't even started yet. I'm curious if it's only the championship match that's going to be 
at Evolution, or if we might have the semifinals and then the final. Right. So I guess I got to finish uh, filling the brackets up, but also they typically tape quite a bit before the uh, the airing of it on the network. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the timeline will, will be here soon enough. So we shall see. And when we know, you will know. Hashtag dear listeners. That's right. Are you excited for the May Young Classic Part Two? Are you excited? For SummerSlam, are you excited to see Brock Lesnar fight Roman Reigns again? You better not be. Uh, you better not be. If you are, you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> Let us know, folks. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. Find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate it. Send us a Gmail if you want to tell us a whole bunch of words and sentences and punctuation. I don't know. Uh, do that. The whole ref and show at gmail.com. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W at gmail.com. Or, or we're your tried and true, rough and ready, friendly, friendly faces on Instagram. All you have to do is look up the whole ref and show on Instagram. There we are. Look at the pictures and like them. That is correct. Until next week, I guess that leaves me merely Perry Smith. Oh, but it leaves me much more than merely the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. That's right, folks. Indeed. We'll catch you next week for the 96th installment of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle of the whole ref and show. Until then, we bid you a very fond adieu. Bye-bye! Somebody, somebody, somebody throw a switch.